gave me the strength to walk away. I never thought I would ever have that conversation with my dad in my life. I never thought my dad and I would be close. Once I turned 18, I told him, this is it. We are done. So to have this forgiveness and to have the relationship with that, that I have with my dad, I wouldn't change it for the world. It took a lot of growth to find the fault in his own flaws and to actually genuinely ask me for his forgiveness. We were finally able to come back full circle. That was the strength that gave me the opportunity to walk away and ultimately really open the door to what God had been waiting to give me all this time. one person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of See One Beautiful Soul. I'm sitting here with my dear friend, Dallin Miller, who I met through a wonderful women's in women in business entrepreneurship networking group, but it's not really networking group. It's just wonderful. And right now it's called Get Elevated. And our friend Arielle connected us. And I just feel so lucky that I met you. We had instantly connected. And it was so weird for me having six lawyers in my family to hear you say, and I'm a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) You are so chill. You look like you just walked off the beach, you know, the Bahamas, (laughs) and you have such a lovely, relaxed air about you. And as we spoke, you mentioned to me that you had been through um, quite an ordeal yourself in a lawsuit. And I said to you, wouldn't it be amazing to have you come on the podcast and talk about all the stuff you've been through as a litigator, um, being on the courtroom floor, being in the thick of really heavy disputes, and how you yourself just you know, you walk around like you're not carrying any of that with you and what it feels like to forgive someone who did something really horrible to you legally. And then also we'll talk about how they got away with it, so to speak, and how you, how you wake up in the morning and how you deal with that. So without further ado, welcome Dallin Miller. (laughs) Barbara, honestly, I feel so grateful to be here. So happy that we met. I do agree. We had such an incredible connection and it's all, I think, thanks to your amazing aura and energy. Just off the bat, you know, sitting next to you, I could feel that you were just a genuine, kind soul. It's a little hard to find some of those these days. So when you find them, it's like (laughs) they instantly attract. I feel like it's like magnets, you know? (laughs) Well, it's, we're all a reflection uh, of, of each other and we all attract where we're at even if it's what we don't want at the time. But I'm so grateful because I wanted to be friends with you as soon as I met you. And, you know, I was going through something like a legal thing the day I met you. And it was so weird because I sat right next to you. And I remember thinking, I think I'm going to have to hire a lawyer. And (laughs) I walked into this room and it was a brand new experience for me, this networking group. And I was thinking like, how am I going to be present and have this looming thing over my head? And you were sitting right next to me. And I felt like God was like, oh, if you need legal advice, let me just send you an angel, like literally <laughs> from above. And she'll be able to answer all your questions. And you did. Like, <laughs> you you know, if, if you seek it, you'll find it. But I think it's sort of like fine tuning what it is that we really seek, right? I mean, I agree with what you said. That's when I grew up here in South Florida, because I also grew up here. 
didn't find people that are like me now, but that's because I wasn't like me now. Yes, I was always a good, sweet soul and I always wanted to connect with people, but I wasn't ready to have like long lasting, deep relationships. And so I would turn that back on you. I don't think you really believe that it's hard to find people like us here, but are we looking for it? And are we believing that we will actually find it? People are fragile, right? And um, trust is fragile. And so sometimes you put a lot of trust and faith into certain people and I myself am a very giving person. I give and give and give. That's my love language. I, I have been burned, but I also, at the same time, have found even better people who are truly genuine. That God always finds a way to put you in the position that he wants you to be. Sometimes it may not be what we want for ourselves, but it's what we need, right? And sometimes we see that we need to be pulled out of a situation that's extremely toxic for us because maybe it's something we have worked our entire lives up to be and we finally get to that stage and then like a band-aid, you're just ripped, you know? So let's go backwards a little bit. Um, you're a lawyer. You're not just a lawyer though. Tell us how you got to this place. What made you a forgiving person throughout your life? Forgiveness came, I think, at a very late stage of my life for me because I came from a family with a predominantly Hispanic father that is very hard. I was the firstborn. I came from a family that was extremely strict and was was very harsh on their punishment. My purpose in becoming a lawyer was actually to defend uh, those that were voiceless or innocent, weren't able to speak on their own behalf. And Ironically enough, I had made a promise when I was very young that, you know, one day I would get up and get my doctorate degree and tell my father, you know, essentially that it was because of my mother and God's love that I made it here and that I'm going to be a fighter for justice. I came from a place of a lot of resentment, anger, frustration throughout my undergrad career up until even law school. And it wasn't until I passed the bar, became an attorney that my father and I finally sat down, had a conversation and were really able to work past a lot of the things that we had never discussed in my childhood. And from that place of forgiveness is where I really started to see all of the layers and so to speak anchors that I had holding me back just released it was incredible. And I started to look back at all of the difficulties in my life. And I realized a lot of them were just barriers I had put in front of myself because I was told when I was younger, I was not good enough. I was told I wouldn't get past an associate's degree or high school. My, my birth is, is a miracle in and of itself. My mom almost passed away. I was premature. There was no heartbeat when they had found me. She was just going in for a normal checkup and the lack of oxygen, they said, could cause me issues down the line as far as mental disabilities. I praise God every day that not only did I not have any kind of mental disability, but I was able to walk across the stage and make my mother and my family proud in obtaining a doctorate and now helping people every day. Wow, wow, wow. I can really relate to forgiving father for being challenging. My dad and I, we just recorded an episode of this podcast yesterday and it was it was really meaningful. And I, I had that talk with my dad multiple times in my life. <laughs> when you have the courage to forgive someone who's still living and you actually forge ahead. And I'm, I'm not, I've always said this and I'll say it again. I'm not saying put yourself in harm's way and sit with someone and be in the presence of someone who could, God forbid, physically or sexually abuse you or even emotionally abuse you. But if you think there might be a chance that the person could be safe to be around, even though you had a past with them, that was difficult. And again, please consult your local doctor and mental health professional before you, this is not medical advice whatsoever or psychological advice, but whoever's listening to this knows that there are people in your life 
who are not necessarily abusive. We use that word very flippantly, but maybe they made a lot, not even a little mistakes, a lot of mistakes in the past. But there's a part of you that knows that if I sat with them and I decided to forgive what happened, I could potentially move forward in a new relationship. And I know for certain, and I could really write a book on forgiving father, that it has healed my heart in ways that medicine, therapy, meditation, yoga could never do. Never. So I'm glad that we we share that. And that totally makes sense now why we really connected because I really believe that to the extent that we are healing and in the ways in which we're healing, that's actually who we really attract. It's not really like, oh, we look alike or we make the same thing. <laughs> People say you attract your bank account. You might attract the potential for your bank account, you know, in either direction. But right. I think the people who you heal with, even if it's subconscious, like that's who you're attracting because you really attract, I think, where you're psychologically and, and emotionally at. So I feel lucky that I, that I met you again. Um, what is the biggest thing that you had to forgive in your life? I would have to say it would be um, my father, just because being the oldest, I also had to protect my siblings. Being Hispanic, we did grow up with a lot of physical discipline. On top of that, add and couple that my grandfather was a Marine, very hardcore, owned a, a chartering company. So my dad came from the structure where it was just a lot of discipline. And so we almost led a sheltered life through him always pressuring not only myself, but my siblings and telling us always that we were never good enough and hoping that we would one day obtain that level of being good enough. Had it come from a place of love and nourishment and support, I, I told him possibly I could have ended up at Harvard Law instead of University of Miami, which University of Miami is still an incredible law school. I made so many connections and I don't think I would be where I would be today had I not gone there. But just trying to relate to him the fact we could have gone so much farther with love instead of just harsh discipline shit. And I know that I think it might be also a culture barrier. Getting through that stage of my life, uh, it was just for so long, so many periods. I found myself always studying the hardest. I had to take care of the LSAT multiple times before I was able to go to law school. These challenges always came to fruition right before the moment of the test, right? So I would study day in and day out. I would put in 12 hours, seven days a week. I, would, I hired private tutors. Um, I just went over and beyond to make sure I would be able to accomplish this. And on the practice exams, phenomenal. Across the board, doing wonderful. It was not until the moment came when I would have to sit for either the LSAT, the bar exam, my own law school exams, that all of this past condition would start to trickle in and those self-doubts would come in. And so I wouldn't score as high as I should have. Just like I talked about a hurdle that I had to overcome. And until I finally came to that place of forgiveness and I heard my dad say, that he believed in me more than he believed in himself. And we, he broke down, he cried, I cried. It was a real moment where I saw that he did have the best of intentions, but it just went about it all the wrong way. And it was due to his also childhood conditioning. And that's why I think the way that we mold our children, I, I looked into this study, it's, it's extremely important because up until the age of seven, really every action, everything that that child sees is going to create that entire personality. It's going to mold and shape them. He always thought that learning through hardships and difficulty would make me tough and strong. And when we were younger, he would just say, you know, you are where you are because I made you this tough and you're able to go into the courtroom now and stand up to judges and stand up to opposing counsel because I made you rock solid. And I said, this is true, but 
I think with my personality, I was already that strong person. I just needed the love and support to know that I could go this far. Once that moment of forgiveness came, it was like the universe just blew up. Um, and it came at the most perfect timing because my dad and I had finally kindled our relationship. And it was right at that pivotal point that I was transitioning from a career myself and about five other attorneys were deciding to walk away from a very ex abusive firm. It was my father and our relationship that he was the first one I called and he gave me the strength to walk away. And I never thought I would ever have that conversation with my dad in my life. I never thought my dad and I would be close. Once I turned 18, I told him, this is it. We are done. I'm going on my own. And so to have this forgiveness and to have the relationship with that, that I have with my dad, I wouldn't change it for the world. It took a lot of growth on both ends. But the fact that he also was able to accept, which was the hardest part, he, he is a very machista, is in Stubborn. Spanish. Stubborn? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So to, to find the fault in his own flaws and to actually genuinely ask me for his forgiveness, we were finally able to come back full circle. And like I said, that was the strength that gave me the opportunity to walk away and ultimately really open the door to what God had been waiting to give me. So two things, you didn't speak to your dad from like 18 to what age? I would say 28 so you had like 10 years where you didn't really speak. You probably saw him at family events, but just really avoided him and stuff like that. Essentially, yeah. Um, my my father, about three years into that, actually divorced my mother. So we really didn't see each other after that occurred. And it was, like I said, until I graduated from law school. And did you reach out or did he? He reached out. Wow. He had been reaching out, um, asking if we could try. And for a long time, I just told him, no, you, you dug your grave. You buried yourself. You have to live your decisions. Um, so you were being like him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, of, how could you not be? That's how he raised you. You can always say, I, you did this. <laughs> yeah. You didn't want to give me any support, so I can do this on my own. Very different views on what support meant for a, a number of things where I thought necessity-wise, like helping your child through law school, we would clash and I would just say, see, I, I come to you. I'm not asking for a car or a dress. I'm asking for you to help me invest in my future. And it always came with a price. If I ever did get assistance, he would say yes, but I would charge interest. And I'm like, well, why am I even asking you oh for assistance? Wow. You know, my mother is the complete op. I will help you whenever you need and whenever you can, if you can, you know, if not, I'm your mom and I'm going to help you any way I can, because I know this is for your future hmm. and for your career. So very different. <laughs> yeah. My dad never charged me interest or anything, but I was cut off financially when I was 18 and that was very hard. And I read about it in my book and in my musical. It wasn't just the money. I remember feeling emotionally dropped. It's sad that for that generation, probably beyond that generation too, financial ties to emotional support from dads up until like the 1980s, maybe 90s, dads were working and moms were home. Even though there was this feminist revolution in the 70s and 80s, if you had children, usually the dad was the breadwinner. And I think there is something really fascinating and beautiful about it masculine energy bringing home money and and women being this like homemaker because I've studied so much in my faith and Judeo-Christian philosophy about having a woman at home and how it's like the most amazing 
job you can have. I'm not saying dads can't be fathers, but there is something really beautiful about that dynamic if it's done well. (laughs) Right. And it's not mutually (laughs) exclusive. There are wonderful moms who are able to balance, you know, my sister's a great example that she's such a nurturing, loving mom and so feminine and yet a beautiful career. And she picks up her kids every day from school. Regardless, there's ways to still have divine feminine and masculine energy in the home, regardless of what the setup is. But I find that in our generation, it was so typical that when men stopped paying, they actually didn't know what to do emotionally. So you forgive your dad, you guys bond, thank God. And it sounds like I'm sure it took years to recover that full trust, but it sounds like it was almost in a flash that you said the world opened up. I love that idea. It sounds like your heart blew up, right? It with love. Universe grew up every every everything literally just And you were able to unblock, it sounds like. What I teach in my classes and in my book and in my workshops is that I'm a master of this because it happened to me so many times that as soon as I would let go of my anger and I'd start to forgive, I was actually able to receive blessing because it's the anger and the, I don't talk to this person anymore. I don't deal with this thing in my life anymore. It's actually like a, a, a sheen. It's like a wall of like, I won't let the blessings in. Did you find that to be true as well? Absolutely. It was blessings on blessings on blessings. I was walking away from a, a firm that was abusive in the sense that it, they took a lot of our work for granted. They would tell us we were never enough, but this is kind of stereotypical in, in the law firm setting. Um, and I'm not sure why they do that to that to us. They do that from the onset of law school where they, they beat you down um, and they just... They make you feel like you're never adequate enough. In that firm, we all worked for salaries, but also commissions. And so the commission was based off of how many cases we would close. So when the moment came for a lot of us to walk away, the name partner who will remain unidentified for purposes of this podcast decided that he was not going to pay any of us the compensation that we were owed. And some of that compensation would be an individual's years worth of a salary. There were also other intricate matters that went on in that firm, one of which my mentor was one of the other name partners that were two. And the other one was a very genuine, good-hearted person and was my mentor in the legal field. Unfortunately, he had a, a mother of his two children, they weren't married, who decided that the relationship that we were having as mentor and mentee was not appropriate. Even though we never had anything physical, I was with my boyfriend, now fiance, that we are engaged. She came from a place of mental disabilities. She was bipolar. There were several issues in there. And so she told him to stop mentoring me, only mentor male associates. And that came along with verbal abuse where she would just call my phone. She would threaten me. She came to my job and threatened. I asked the learning partners to remove me entirely got a new mentor. And after a year of not having spoken with that name partner, um, she just out of the blue one day again, showed up and started taunting me again, even though we had zero communication for over a year. At that point of my life, I was getting engaged. Nothing had really been done as far as making sure security would make sure she wouldn't enter the building. So I took that aspect of the job also very personally because now it's my life and I had to get a restraining order. When that happened, I told them this is just no longer acceptable. I see what you're doing to your other associates along with this now business and personal, you know, needs to be kept separate at all times. And so I gave my two weeks. And actually, after hearing that three other attorneys were also leaving with me, 
um, at that time. I extended it for about another month, gave them the decency of time, went be over and beyond, I worked close to 18 hours every day to make sure all of the cases were prepped, ready for the next associate, doing everything I could to make sure that the transition would be as smooth as possible. So immediately once my last day came about, the name partners just decided to no longer answer my phone calls, my text messages. And when I started calling some of the other attorneys, it was the same response. And so essentially all of us were just blown off and were advised that we were not going to obtain our compensation for commission in in some cases, a substantial amount of money. And so I decided I needed a sabbatical. It was just a lot of emotional turmoil at that point. And I really needed to know where I was going as far as my direction. So I'm sitting in my house one day and I get a phone call from an individual I haven't spoken to in about a year and a half. The friend of mine, out of the blue, he is asking me how I'm doing. You know, this is right when 2020 was happening. And so there were all kinds of concerns of pandemic. He asks me how the career is going also with with all of this turmoil going on and about. And I told him, well, actually, ironically, I've decided I'm going to take three months off uh, to just work on myself and reset. And he says, well, ironically enough, I actually sat with the name partner of a major law firm here in Florida. Uh, We're very good friends and they're looking for an attorney just like you. And he's like, I can get you in communication with him right now. And so I said, well, I wasn't ready to get a job. I kind of really wanted this mental break, but it literally fell into my lap and we got on the phone with the name partner. He got the head of the department on the phone as well. We had a conference and that same day they made me an offer. And the most beautiful part of that offer was that the amount of money that I was owed from my previous law firm was exactly the amount that they had offered me plus some in a salary. And then also the commission. And so when that happened, and I didn't ask for the number, they they offered it. They said, is this a good starting point for you? It was then that I realized this was God's confirmation that I needed to let go of what had happened and that he was making it right. Even if this individual wasn't, God was. The human side of me still got to me and I said, well, I can still make this salary. And yeah, it's a great gap. Thank you so much, God. But I still want to get my money. I worked so hard for those cases, one of which it was a huge federal case. And it was my baby from the moment I passed the bar exam. It was the first federal case for that firm. And I worked it for almost three years. Finally got it to close, got the client, the settlement that they had been owed, fought tooth and nail, almost at the brink where we thought we weren't going to win. And we did. So I really wanted to obtain that. And I was going to file a lawsuit against the firm. Every time I would talk to one of my former colleagues about it, they would just say, listen, I I don't think that's a wise decision. This person is extremely vindictive. They have reports against them for their vindictive behavior of how they go over and beyond to make sure that if you go against them, they will ruin your life. Legally, they could threaten your license. And it got to be a very dark side that I knew was always brewing in the background. I just didn't know to what level. Over time, I came to realize that this was more a blessing to walk away, you know, untainted, able to start on a brand new level with a firm that truly valued me and my opinion and made up for everything and more that I could have wanted with that firm. So I decided I had to just let let it go, let bygones be bygones and, and walk away. And I did. And with the firm, 
as soon as I got in there, the difficulty that I had in my first firm, literally being just thrown into the water, whereas most attorneys, they have to start off working on just motions and kind of like rudimentary stuff. The firm that I was at, they threw you in immediately. Like I said, my first case, first day, federal case, nobody in the firm had handled the federal case. And so it was sink or swim. And, and we would have to stay up to midnight sometimes with the name partners, just trying to figure it out. It gave me an experience that a lot of attorneys have to wait five to 10 years to obtain. When I came to this new firm, the value that I brought to them was something unprecedented because they only had individuals from the defense side. So they didn't see things from a plaintiff side, able to help the homeowners in ways and see the hooks, you know, and the nuances. And that's how I was trained and molded to see how to get around the loopholes and all of that. They came to me from the beginning and were just thrilled to have me working. The head of the department was calling me. And at this point in my career, I was going on to my third year. And so here I have an attorney practicing 20 years and telling me, Dolan, I don't know what to do with this case. And giving me the hardest cases that the firm was handling. Being just appreciated and, and, and acknowledged for what I was bringing and helping with was all I think all of us from the former firm were really seeking. And we were always told that that was not ever good enough. We would spend days writing motions and things and the name partner would just come in and swipe it all and redo it. And here, my work was just praised. And it continued to grow. You know, you would think that the buck would stop there and I would be incredibly happy. And I was. I, I absolutely adored that firm. But God said, I'm not done with you yet, child. Best friend at the time and I were working at my first firm. She was the one that had introduced me to that. It wasn't until we had left that abusive firm that I came to learn about her having started a new firm with one of the other attorneys. And she didn't tell me until after the fact. At first, I took it as just so happy for her. And it wasn't until really started to think about how I was excluded from this conversation, even just as a best friend, not even as a business partner, that the reality and the pain really started to sink in. About six months in into my new career, I'm extremely happy, but I'm hurt because I see that I could have had something beautiful with somebody so close to me and they decided to exclude me. And so it kind of really emotionally hurt. My fiance was thinking, hey, you know, let's get you out of the house. You're in your head right now. Let's, you're, you're in a great place. And I know you wanted to be a partner. I know you wanted to start your own thing. You're working remotely. You're making more than you ever made in your life. Like why? And something inside of me was just like, I want more. I wanted to be a partner. I wanted to have a firm. So we went to a soccer game for the inner Miami soccer team. And we're sitting there watching the game and he got us amazing seats. And I see that the sponsor at the stadium is this law firm. And I recognize the name of one of the lawyers. I had met Jeremy Dover in law school. Unrelated, my mom had brought me one day to a Panthers game because my mom was in the medical field. She's a case manager. And so she deals with sometimes attorneys and stuff, but we're in very different worlds. I handle homeowners property. She handles the medical aspect of workers' compensation, but she got these tickets to a suite. She invited me over and I had met Jeremy Dover there. And that was roughly three years ago from the date of the game, sitting there watching the game. And I was like, wow, I, I, I look them up. I'm like, I'm first thought is I'm so happy. He started his own firm. That's incredible. And I see that they're only doing PIP and bodily injury. They have nothing in my world as far as homeowners insurance. And so I thought to myself, wow, how crazy would it be if I became a partner with them at this big firm that literally just started is sponsoring and, and putting their name out there is on the radio. My best friend, it was just her and her colleague. There was nobody else. They didn't even have paralegals. They weren't even advertising. They had nothing. After going to the game, 
the next Monday, I'm sitting at my job. I'm extremely happy. And I get a call and it's Jeremy Dover. And he says, hey, I want to talk to you for a sec. I, I just you popped up on my newsfeed on social media. Saw your story. Just wanted to check in, see how you're doing. Um, he called you. He called me. After you had this thought. You didn't even call him. No. Just like the first job. I never even called that person, a friend of mine that originally connected me with this firm. I said, yeah, you know, I'm wrapping up a case. Let me just finish everything over here and I'll, and I'll give you a call. So I give him a call back and he's asking me how everything is going. If I'm happy, I tell him I am extremely happy. I'm able to work remotely. I was able to travel a lot, um, which is unheard of as a lawyer. So this COVID kind of put us in a position that a lot of lawyers, I think, would have dreamed of always having. Working remotely as a lawyer was like unheard of. We always had to be in court, depositions, mediations, all of the sort, always in person. He tells me that him and his partner just started up this law firm and they are looking to start a chapter for property damage. They wanted to work with somebody that they know. He asked me to come in and do an interview with him and his partner. The next week, I sat with them and... They made me the offer to partner, run the entire division for the homeowner's property damage division of Demesman and Dover. And I accepted. And it was with a heavy heart because I still absolutely adore and love the prior firm. And unfortunately, they just they couldn't make me that offer that I wanted to take my life to the next level and to ultimately be in the position I had only dreamed would take, you know, 10 years of practice in the making, less than five years in my career. And now I'm a partner at a major I think it is all thanks to nothing less than forgiveness and, and God sometimes having to hurt us or allow the world's and people's actions to hurt us so that we can ultimately still get to where we want to be to allow those doors to open. And sometimes these things come with pain, but through the pain and, and through the hardship is the dawn, you know? And so a quote that has always stuck with me is that it is always darkest before the dawn and my, my life, um, I feel, has just been an attestation of, of all of that and of the greatness that God can be even in the darkest of hours, even when you think it's over and you're not going to have anything. He comes in, swooping in and literally provides you with that love and, and that guidance and those, and those blessings. Oh my gosh. First of all, you really need to go on a speaking tour because that's such a brilliant story and you tell it so well. Yeah. I see three other things that you didn't necessarily touch on. And that's only because I get the joy and honor of getting to listen to your story up close and personal, as well as all of our listeners right now. You had three things in each of those three big moments, allowing your dad to come in after years and years of beating him down. So you allowed. The other two things also, there was an allowance, but you said, and this is different than what happened with your dad. Both cases, when you were, cases, great fun. Uh, when, when the law firms called you, you were just sitting there. That's what you said. I was just sitting there. So we learn from Esther Hicks' philosophy, which is like the secret or law of attraction. I call it godliness, God power. But that idea that if you're, if you only when we're sitting and in the stillness, in the beauty of what is right now, as dark and scary as it is right now for anyone who's listening, if you can just be with it, if you can just sit with it, in the stillness, I was just sitting there. But here's the thing you were allowing while you were sitting there. You weren't just sitting there like, oh, it's so hard and dark. It's so scary. You were like, I'm going to take three months. That's what you said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time to sit and heal from this really abusive, scary situation I was just in. There's the third thing, which is huge. You said in both of the cases when the law firms called you, I was so happy. I was, I was happy just sitting there 
and trying to figure out my life. And yeah. then all the more so when Mr. Dover, yes. Jeremy Dover, when he called you, you were just sitting there at the game. And the third part is you had vision. In the first circumstance with your dad, you said, okay, let me let him in. I have some vision about what the possibility could be. In the second situation, before the law firm called you, you had vision. I'm leaving this other abusive place because I know I'm certain there's better out there for me. And I'm sick of working 18 hour days and I'm sick of being abused and told I'm not good enough. And notice how it was linked with your dad because maybe the only reason you let him in at the time was because you were sick of putting up with that philosophy. And there was a part of you that wanted to change that dynamic with your dad. Right. I'm no longer having a relationship with you, dad, that allows (laughs) you to treat me like I'm not good enough. And I'm going to let you call me because I have vision that I'm going to allow this new part. It's very deep. Think about that, how you twist that situation, right? I'm going to allow in a new universe. And by doing that and forgiving you, now I can allow in a new job that doesn't allow that. And then the third time you had vision sitting at the, at the game, you see this billboard. You're like, Oh, I want to be bigger. I want to be in lights. I want to be up there too with my friend, Jeremy. And the universe went, Okay, give her a call. (laughs) I hear these crazy stories that we are magnets. You said that word before. We do magnetize, right? Yes. We only magnetize that which we allow in and that which we make space for. You were very happy. When Jeremy asked you, how are you doing? You didn't say in that story, by the way, which I'm sure you did, but you didn't mention it. I just saw your billboard. That's so weird that you're calling me. You never said that. No, I don't think he even knows that story, actually. (laughs) Okay, well, number one, we have to send this to him as soon as this episode comes out. (laughs) But how crazy is that you were so in your soul of soul that you didn't even bring up, like like me, I not that I'm, I don't think I'm egotistical. I just love to connect the dots in my life. So I'll be like, oh my God, I was just thinking about you. And I just told this person and I, I play the match memory game all the time. I match people up for love, for business, you know, like that too. We just, we naturally do that. Right. But it's crazy to me that you were so in the, so in the soul work that you just went, yeah, of course he's calling me. Cause I just, I sat, but you didn't tell him. You didn't <laughs> say I had this thought that this is the how of how I'm going to get to the, that name. It's you. And he just called you. So for anyone listening right now, who's in between jobs, which is a lot of people and you're figuring out what I'm, what you're going to do next. Follow the three steps of Dalin, which is sit your butt down and start taking care of yourself. One, then have some vision. What would I love to allow into my life? What would I love to allow in? And the third one is I'm so happy right here and right now. I'm not only going to be happy if this comes in. I'm happy right now. You said to Jeremy, I'm so happy. I'm working for a law firm that I love. They're treating me so well. Everything's great. You didn't say, I really love it. If you could just, you know, make me a partner. But then he was like, great, you're doing great. Let me give you this opportunity. And then you allowed further. So that's like step four, allow it even more. As humans, and we we talked about this the other day in my workshop, that it's the tolerating. Can you tolerate being happy? Usually there's a something in our circle, the elements, the energy that's around us that's saying, no, don't be that happy. No, 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 just suffer a little bit. Take on that. Oh, that's a good juicy thought of guilt and pain and suffering. And let's think about that memory. I mean, I'm only saying this because I'm a master of it. I have to swat bad thoughts all day long. Like, 
Oh, I, got, I can't open that door. No, nope, I'm not interested in that. For me personally, it was the pain that I thought was fueling my energy, my ambition. I have to prove you wrong. You told me I'll never get past this and I'm going to not only do that, but exceed it that I thought was the fuel of my power. And it was actually the limitation. Well, that's how you grew up. And Lady Gaga, I remember she accepted an award. I think it was a Grammy not too long ago. And there's a speech, it's got millions and millions of views. And it's very, it's a very, it's not fair because it's taken out of context. But what she says is, for anyone, this is for all those people that told me I couldn't. When I first saw it, I cried because I was that person who was bullied in middle school and also by the world and by my dad and by a lot of people and bosses that I've had. And I thought, what a waste of her speech, right? And easy for me to say, I didn't work my butt off to get a Grammy. So it's really easy being a couch surfer and watching someone and saying, I would have said X, Y, and Z. It's so hard when you get up there, who knows what you're going to say. Right. <laughs> but I, but as the educator in me, I wouldn't want her fans who are 16 and being bullied right now to think as long as I keep being bullied, they're going to give me my stamina so I can win a Grammy. It's not for those people. It's for whoever you have become because you have to allow a bully into your life. Right. As hard as that sounds. You know, we all choose, our soul goes, that's a good mom for me. That's a good dad for me. I'll, I'll choose that path because I want to grow the most. I want to maximize my growth potential in my life as a soul, right? And it's so hard to imagine that because you're like, how did I pick this person? Oh my God. I but, think yeah, that is so amazing. I, I have to just interrupt you for a second because please, I yeah. never met anybody else that has shared that theory. I have read about it in a book called Unveiled Reality. It's exactly what you're saying. The soul gets a choice before we're born to live a life that do not take pity for people if they seem like they have a physical ailment or they're suffering because perhaps they chose a life of suffering to better themselves and their soul because maybe in a prior life they were evil. Um, so this is their way of essentially atoning for that evil and making a better soul and, and of themselves so that they can get closer to God. This is a Kabbalistic <laughs> idea. It's not mine. And when I heard it, I went, oh my God, it's not just chaos. I didn't just choose to suffer, you know, and by the way, I think suffering is optional. And I heard that from my rabbi's wife a long time ago, which was also wow. helpful. Pain is not optional. Pain is when we're a baby and the tooth comes in, it hurts. And it's almost subconscious. God saying, by the way, when you grow, but you're going to get teeth and it's going to be cool. Cause then you're going to chew food. Like it's so <laughs> subconscious. Right. But it hurts. We know that it hurts, but then we're like, oh, cool. It, like it's, we get on some subliminal level, even the person with the lowest IQ, I have to have a little pain to get this reward. And it sucks, right? I heard somebody say yesterday, it's amazing how Democrats and Republicans are coming together on this issue of Ukraine. Yeah. It stinks that we had to get to innocent people dying to come together on this issue, Right. But look at the Russians who are coming into Ukraine and putting their guns down saying, I don't really want to be here. I was told I was going to be keeping peace. I mean, the world is on such a breakthrough. It's in a, a terrible state. And yet at the same time, there's so much light breaking through because we just can't have Nazis anymore. We can't have fascists anymore. We can't. The world can't contain it because we know that it's just wrong. There are a few dictators left. We see that. We see your colors, 
but there's a huge part of the world that's like, and I guess I'd rather die than be a Nazi. Right. And interestingly enough, they're saying that if this is a war, you know, this kind of war and the tactics that they're using is not like anything we've ever seen. It's more so corruption from the inside. Not warriors and soldiers at our forefront. It's getting us to be divided, right? And so divided amongst ourselves and the government that we no longer trust the government. And then what better way to then swoop in and really attack us? So that message of letting the light in, of not allowing these things to divide us as a community, as a whole, to respect each other's opinion and have genuine discussion. Real world peace. And I think it's okay to have a little bit of distrust or the government or your own party or leaders, because it's really not about them. They're just right. there to kind of keep time or keep the notes going. Like it's us and God. And I think it's great to have different communities and different cultures and different foods and different religions. It's beautiful. There's a oh, million ways to connect to God. It doesn't have to be through Judaism, through Christianity, through Islam, through Buddhism or Hinduism. Jain. There can be many, many ways to connect. But as right, long as right. we respect each other and we can dance together and sing together and say, I respect you. I respect your texts. I'd love to learn them with you and see what you learn. Please okay. check out what I learn and then grow from each other. It's okay. The world is in this really cool place right now. We are standing up and we're standing together. And I hope that justice continues to be served. Right now, they're sending Russian informants and undercover people to create chaos amongst us. And that divide, that's what I'm talking about with the the divide is they're, they're purposely making us focus on other issues or divisions that they know are trigger points for our society and doing it from a place that seems genuine and concerned and loving, but really it's just to cause in some instances chaos, right? And uh, mistrust amongst ourselves or amongst the government, triple check, fact check every single thing, every aspect of it, because even if it does sometimes you know, and the Bible talks about this, where it will be a wolf in sheep's clothing for you guys, the Torah times, it's for a bigger purpose that we need to more than ever come together. Amen. I agree with you. So last question, how do you deal with those feelings when they come up of your last almost lawsuit? And by the way, I have to say, I'm just so impressed with you that you could say, I want my money. I worked 18 hour days to try to do that case. It was my baby. It was mine. How did you, A, put that ego part of you to bed on that and just say, you know, I wipe my hands of that. I don't even want to be involved with them anymore. And I'm not going to go and fight. I'm not going to be Aaron Bronkovich, which I totally could see you being. That's the first question. And then second to that, when someone comes to you and they say, I lost a lawsuit to a horrible person and I know they were wrong. What do you say to people who have been through that kind of experience, being in the courtroom, seeing their faces, knowing that you're litigating against someone who is wrong and then they still win because sometimes that happens. What would you say to those two questions? Shedding the ego was very difficult. At first, I think I shed it out of nothing more than fear. This individual was known to personally attack, like I had said, your livelihood, your lifestyle. Um, I had seen complaints against attorneys by attorneys against him that never even worked for the firm and were being harassed by way of drones. I mean, 
it, it was a very scary situation. And reading that these people that were filing suits against them to protect themselves and their licenses and their livelihood would dismiss the cases afterward brought even more fear. That was showing me that they didn't even believe in the justice system themselves, which is what, as lawyers, we do. I wanted to be the Aaron Brockovich. I wanted to say, no, I am going to stand up for all of these people. And I went to go speak with one of the attorneys that was going to assist me in getting this lawsuit started. I called my dad again. I ran it by him because I know my stubbornness definitely comes from him. He said something to me I, I'll never forget. And that was sometimes in life we're dealt a bad card. And when we see it as bad, it's going to be bad. And it's not until we allow that harshness and that, that difficult time to pass that we really get to see what God was doing in the background. He said, I want to protect you. I know you're a full-grown adult and I would want nothing more for you to win. But I think that in life, sometimes we have to forgive and this man will see his day. Maybe not in a world court, but he will see a day in God's court. And there's no better judge no better prosecutor than the person upstairs you know, looked again at everything that was happening and decided there has been nothing but blessings after blessings from forgiveness to start now going in a pathway of personal attack to get what is right for me monetary value premise my health is perfect i am living the life i have only dreamed of obtaining years and years down the road. And why am I going to stir up God's perfect plan? With that, I decided to just walk away and never look back. The answer to your second question, with the difficulties that people have when they do lose or they have some kind of difficult situation in their life, there is always some form of justice. And we may not see it physically, but in life, it will manifest itself. In the courthouse, we have appeals. A lot of the times when we think it's over and we've lost the case, the jury is against us. There's still, thankfully, through our justice system, retribution. Our words have so much weight. What we think about becomes things, how we act in the world. It's all related and we take everything for granted. And that's why it pains me so much when I see someone stealing or I see someone being blatantly mean to another person. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm without fault. I am a human being. I've done stupid things and said dumb things and I'm, I'm a human being, right? We all make mistakes all day long. I make mistakes, but when we see it, it's easier to see it with when it's another person, when you can see someone's deliberately hurting another person, it's like in that moment, they're saying to themselves or the other, I don't believe that there's karma. I don't believe that this matters. It's just one conversation. It's just one thing to say. And it all matters. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it also matters when you're on the other side of it and you've tried the case and it didn't work in your favor. That's also from God. I was let go from a position. I remember somebody saying, it had to be done in this super sour way. I said, why? They were so nasty to me. They didn't give me any chance to explain, figure stuff out. It was just so harsh. And he said, if it hadn't been so sour, you never would have left because you put your whole heart into everything you do. You would have stayed your whole life. And there's so many things you need to accomplish right now. So just, you have to let that go and, and just say, oh, God's pushing me to this other lane. 
Wow. What happened to you? When I was studying to pass the bar as a lawyer, my first time that self-doubt came in, I didn't pass. I was dealing also with a breakup, all kinds of stuff, but I was in a completely different area of law. I was in maritime. It's just essentially working with cases that deal with international waters and, and boats and the like my dream job at the time. And it was one of the only five law firms in all of Florida that practiced. When I didn't pass the bar, the name partner came to me and said, well, we really needed an attorney to fill the position. Now you're going to have to study for three months and then wait another two months or so to get the bar results. So we're going to have to let you go. Exactly what you just said. The only reason I was able to get through that was because my mom had told me the same thing. If God didn't rip you out of this situation, you would have never gone into an entirely different area of practice. So I went from international waters and maritime to now homeowners 180 to another world I never even dreamed of. I don't know what my life would be, but I don't think it would be this incredible, amazing opportunity that I have now. And I'm so blessed to have. So um, for all of your listeners out there, I think that message is so strong. And sometimes we have to be hurt before we can grow. You're so the atypical lawyer and Are you going to write a book about this? Are you going to be speaking at (laughs) events? How do we get in touch with you? I am the managing partner now at Property Lawyers, PLLC, and they can get in touch with me through the office. And the website is yourpropertydamageattorneys.net. Calling our office. We're based in Fort Lauderdale. We also have an office in Tampa and we're opening an office in Orlando. It's more so if there is any kind of like a hurricane, tornado, hail, water loss, plumbing leak, vandalism, theft, fire, sinkhole, collapse, really any kind of damage that's done to your home. We as homeowners pay a premium every month to have this insurance. And so unfortunately, 80% of all of the claims that are made to the insurance company when it comes time for them to pay them the money that's due due to a catastrophic event that's happened in these people's lives and in their home, they're either denied because they say, you know, this is previous damage or there was negligence of some sort. They find some sort of exclusion or they issue you a very low payment. And a lot of the Florida homeowners or homeowners in general, they don't know that the state of Florida is very special in that sense because the legislators in Florida caught on to this scheme where the insurance company was just outright denying all of these people on their claims and not giving them the money they're owed. And now they have to come up with you know $100,000 or more just to make the repairs on something they've insured. So the legislators of Florida said, all right, if in fact it is found that you owe the homeowner even one penny for their insurance claim, then the insurance company will be responsible for all of the attorney's fees and costs. And so that's where I come in. So I essentially provide my homeowners all with free representation because 99.999% of the time, we always settle um, even before we get to trial. And if in fact we do get to trial, we have never really long. I also help the construction worker. So let's say your roof is blown off and you have a roofer come in, they, they redo the roof for you so that you can make sure that your home is safe. Instead of having to have the homeowner do all of the work for that and get the insurance company to pay, the homeowner can just sign a document called an assignment of benefits that basically says either a roofer or a plumber or any individual company that has come in to do the repairs on your home for those damages can stand in your shoes as the insured and go to the insurance company and say, hey, we did this work, here's the invoice under the policy, they're covered. This is what we're owed. So that, that way it's not intruding on the homeowner's life any more than it needs to. And I can help those roofers, plumbers, instead of putting a lien on the homeowner and their home, going after the insurance company for those damages. Amazing. Well, thanks for fighting the good fight. So, so glad that we had a chance to talk. And uh, 
I'm Thank just you. so inspired by you. <laughs> you give me oh. faith in the justice system. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And thank you for your beautiful work. This podcast has been such a blessing, honestly, sharing, sharing this message. I think it needs to be shared more. So thank you to your listeners and your followers, and especially you for being brave enough to put on this platform for everyone to hear. So it's allowing me to feel like, okay, God is infiltrating in certain ways and we are going to fight. We're going to win the fight. We might lose little pieces of the battle, but we're going to win the war. Right. Right. So thanks for helping me win the war today, Dalin. Uh, <laughs> Lots of love and to here's you. some nuggets of wisdom of from love. today's episode. You don't always get what you want, but you always get what you need. Once she forgave her dad, Dallin was able to start to see the anchors that were holding her back from becoming released to all the blessings that were waiting for her in her life. A lot of the things holding her back or barriers that she'd put on herself or she was told you'll never get past high school or an associate's degree. Forgiving the people who you still can while they are alive and in person can affect you in ways sometimes traditional methods of healing can't always do. This is not medical or psychological advice. Please consult your local doctor or mental health care professional or lawyers if you are contemplating spending time in person with someone you may have once called an quote unquote, abuser or someone who you were told is very dangerous to spend time with. You may have legitimate reasons not to spend time with them in person, but there are sometimes ways where you can write a letter or FaceTime or Zoom with them or even speak over the phone that could be very helpful for both parties. Forgiving fathers for not knowing how to redefine their jobs in the home post the 1970s, aka feminist era, was a game changer for a lot of people. Dallin attributes all of her success to the power of forgiveness and God allowing the pain of others' actions to make room for the dawn. It's always darkest before the dawn, she says, and sometimes we have to see that darkness in order to appreciate and fully receive the dawn that's coming. And I sort of broke down in this episode the steps that Dallin went through in order to receive all the blessings that came into her life. Number one, she allowed whatever happened to happen. Number two, she took time for her mental well-being. She said she just sat there and imagined, what if everything went even bigger and better and more amazing than it is now? Number three, she was in a state of contentedness or happiness. She was sitting at home when she received the first dream job opportunity over the phone. She also went to two different ball games and was invited by people who said, let's get you out of the house. And she went. She didn't say, no, I'm not feeling well. I'll just stay home and feel sorry for myself. She took those opportunities. And even though the chips were down, she went outside and felt good. And she was in a state of receiving happiness while she was doing that. And number four, she had vision. She held tight to the dreams that she always wanted. And even though she never thought she would become partner so soon in her life, she had the vision for it and she stuck to that vision. We only magnetize that which we allow in. We are a magnet for what we allow and think about and believe to be true or that could potentially happen. Dallin believed that she was done with having her father treat her a certain way. She was working for an abusive boss at the time. She still held on to that vision of being a managing partner of a law firm. So much so that even when she called in a great paying job at that moment, the partner job came in almost right away and made her turn down the current job that she was in, what a test, to go for the partner job that she had always wanted and never believed in a million years she would get so soon in her career. Why did it come in? One could argue because she was holding tight to that vision the whole time 
and thus she was ready for it. Watch how much joy you allow into your circle. We often try to swat it away with guilt, shame, or pain because joy is a challenging feeling to hold. You can't really hold it. It's just there when it's there. And we often think that it comes to visit us sometimes, but we in reality can actually generate it just like we can generate thoughts of guilt, shame, blame, pain, or frustration. Dolan said, I thought that it was my pain that was fueling my energy and ambition, but it actually was hindering it. You have to allow a bully into your life. Maybe they come in unannounced, but to continually allow them into your life, that's on us. We choose our parents, as difficult as that is to realize. She mentioned she learned that topic through a book called Reality Unveiled, The Hidden Keys of Existence That Will Transform Your Life and the World. And it's written by author Ziad Masri. His name is spelled Z-I-A-D as in David, M-A-S-R-I. Pain is not optional, but suffering is. Karma happens and we can't really add to it or take away from it. So if someone did you wrong, quote unquote, don't worry, it will be taken care of. And it's actually none of your business how it's taken care of as much as we want to get involved. Sometimes you have to undergo a certain situation to protect you from something worse and or to steer your course to a new path. You have so many blessings coming your way, so you always want to be on the right path. Don't resist or try to fight it when you're being pulled in a certain direction. And ironically, it was advice from her father after their rekindled relationship when she called on him to ask, should I go ahead with this lawsuit? And he was the one to temper her fears and her anger and say, you know what? Let's let the big guy upstairs take care of it. You have other things to focus on, like all the blessings in your life. So how ironic is that? The person who brought arguably some of the hardest, most difficult, challenging, anger-filled moments in her life was the one to stand in her path and say, don't take this road, go the other way, take the high road. And in doing so, she feels that she has practiced being grateful, being patient, being kind, and receiving all the blessings that God has given her. And her website, again, if you want to get in touch with her is Your Property Damage Attorneys. So I hope this episode inspired you and warmed your heart. And if it did, please send it to somebody who you think could use a pick-me-up. Maybe someone who fights for human rights, someone who works in the justice system, maybe a cop, a lawyer that you know, someone who uh, has been sued or had to sue someone else and it didn't go their way. This is a great episode for that. And since this episode is coming out around the Passover, Easter, and Ramadan holidays, I would love to wish everyone freedom. May we all truly be free in all the ways that we need to. May we always be safe in all the ways that we need to and healthy in the best of ways always. If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode can inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias, drop us a note, or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you hear podcasts. May we all choose to look for the light in ourselves and each other in all ways, always. Always.